the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. As I like to do, first things first on Monday, talk a little bit about how the market's doing for the year. Kind of a kickoff to what could always be tumultuous week to remind us where we're starting. The NASDAQ for the year is up 16.75%. That's pretty darn good. The S P 500 up 18.6%. Dow Jones Industrial up 13.8%. Ten-year Treasury is now sitting at 1.46%. That's moving much, much higher in a very short time frame. That's telling us that things are okay again for now. Still where it is, 1.46%. Historically very low. Telling us the world still is in the grips of a pandemic. Economically speaking, very sensitive. Bitcoin's up 49% for the year. What a year. Bitcoin's now illegal in China. When you're big in China, good night. Um, (coughs) That's not good. So Bitcoin up 50%. The 10-year treasury up 1.46%. Those are just... Strange parts of the year. Stocks managed to eke out a weekly gain last week despite taking a licking on Monday. Roughed up airline stocks such as IAG, the parent of British Airways, have been surging in large part because the United States has relaxed travel restrictions to Europe with COVID-19 travel restrictions in place. The WHO, World Health Organization. I know you're saying that, who? You mean Roger Dalton? No. I mean the World Health Organization. They've assembled a team of about 20 scientists to renew the search for the origin of COVID-19 in the search of COVID-19 with Leonard Nimoy. Experts warn that time is running out to uncover how a pandemic that killed more than 4.7 million people around the world started. I get the feeling we're not going to get to the bottom of this one. Remember back in the days when you had that big set of projects all due at one point in time? That's kind of what's happening to Congress right now. Maybe it was in college, you had a term paper due for one class. You had a final to study for for the same in the same week, and you're like, there's a lot going on. You had to like divvy up your, your packages and divvy up your projects. This week, Democrats are turning the stress on for themselves, looking to turn President Joe Biden's signature economic proposals into law. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wants Democrats to pass two huge packages, the roughly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill 
signed the $3.5 trillion spending bill that would inject an unprecedented amount of federal dollars in the social safety net, climate change mitigation, and education. On top of that, Congress is also working to fund the federal government past Thursday night, or there'll be a partial government shutdown. And let me tell you right now, let the stories begin soon on, oh no, mom and dad are going to get their social security checks. And when those stories start to hit, government starts to take it a little bit more serious. Stakes are high. The Democrats and Republicans are both eyeing those midterm elections next year. As this is how we can get exactly what we want. So we have to play this package really, really well. Both Democrats and Republicans are playing it hardcore. The infrastructure bill would provide $600 billion in fresh funding to upgrade the country's aging roads, bridges, and transit and electric grid, as well as broadband networks. I like all of those except for broadband networks, only because I just don't trust the government with our internet. Not that they won't make it safe and secure, but that they can do it on a budget. That $600 billion for the infrastructure bill has already passed with support from Republicans in the Senate. But more progressive Democrats want to prioritize social spending. Still, Nancy Pelosi is bullish. It's going to be a big week on government. Big week. Then there's the social and environmental bill. That's the $3.5 trillion one. Expect that total cost to come down as Democrats seek a compromise. Then there's the government shutdown. It's a big week. And then I guess there's a, a kind of a stamp that we say Biden's been approved or not with his domestic agenda, if Congress agrees to pass all of that. Other big stories of note today, and we're talking anything you want to talk finance, money investing, retirement, insurance, and much, much more. Apple and Tesla, suppliers. Numerous semiconductor companies are being forced to shut down production this week due to an uh, edict in China to conserve electricity. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. The world supply chain is like kind of wobbly, to say the least, coming out of COVID. And now there's a, a forced shutdown of production this week in China to conserve electricity. Um, that's not going to play out well. Morgan Stanley is cutting its price target for Amazon to $4,100 from $4,300, citing concerns about rising labor costs, weighing on profit margins. You're starting to see more and more headlines in the news about $18 an hour minimum wage, $20 an hour maybe in the next couple years. There's one headline on CNBC this morning that restaurant owner says, I'm paying my employees $25 an hour, and it's still not enough. Ten-year treasury note has risen now to 1.5% off the early trading, just a skosh below that. That's a headwind for Wall Street. The jump in oil prices that we're seeing are adding to concerns that we have another headwind. High valuation, government fights, higher interest rates, supply chain issues. If that's not a recipe for caution, I don't know what is. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi He's saying that a vote in the House on the trillion-dollar bipartisan bill still has moved Thursday, and she thinks that a vote on a $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill could happen this week, although it's becoming self-evident that the size of that bill will need to be cut. <clears throat> Facebook slipping today after going 
to pause on its Instagram for kids product development. Good. <clears throat> I've got kids and they um, are right at that TikTok age. And I don't need my kids on Instagram. I don't need my kids thinking about Instagram. I need my my kids thinking about girls for sure. But in the old-fashioned way, in their imagination. And I need the kids thinking about like looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger at the gym. But in the old-fashioned way, I don't need them seeing anything on Instagram on how to put on makeup, how to get stronger. <clears throat> I, so I'm, I'm cool with Facebook going on pause for Instagram for kids. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, all social media, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. It's the Rob Black and Your Money Podcast. You can catch Rob Black every weekday morning on AM 1220 KDOW from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Listen online at KDOW.biz. Love and marriage obviously has something to do with how much you're able to save. Babies cost money. Retirement with your loved one when you're going to Italy to reignite your flame. You're traveling out, the kids are out of the nest. All is about do, re, me, money, and retirement issues. But love and marriage is actually another theme in investing with the actual marriage. I'm not a big fan of life, of giving flowers to girls. I know you're saying you're not a big fan of giving flowers. Yes, I've done it. Yes, it's had the positive results that I was hoping it would. <clears throat> but in my heart of hearts, I'm like, 30 bucks for things that are going to die? Ah, that's not a good idea. $100 for an arrangement that will be dead in three days? Eh, that's a really bad idea. And don't even get into the cost of wedding flowers. A good friend of mine just got married last weekend. He asked me if I wanted to go, and I said, nope. I'm not an events guy. But wedding and event planners are scrambling right now to find flowers for weddings. There's a lack of workers in the industry. There's unfavorable weather that's hitting the floral industry. And there's surging demand as people say, let's get married. COVID's, we, we survived COVID together. And if I can survive COVID together with you, then I can survive anything with you. So it's not just a shortage in product. It's that everyone wants to have an event at the same time right now. So there's fighting over flowers. Wedding report is in, forecasting 1.93 million U.S. weddings in 2021, 2.47 million weddings in 2022. That's up from 1.3 million weddings in 2020. 20% of the 2020 weddings were rescheduled for 2021. The wedding boom is absolutely real. Demand is so great that buyers can't really, at this point in time, say, I like a bunch of hydrangeas. I know you're saying you don't know anything about flowers, do you? I do not. So you can't ask for specific colors. You could just say you want color. White flowers in particular are almost impossible to get. So your virgin bride who's wearing her virgin white dress. Wait, wait. She was on tender for two years before she met you? You can't get the white dress anymore. <laughs> you can't get the white flowers right now. <laughs> You used to be able to find white roses. Now they're in such high demand because everyone's getting married. You're so original with your white rose idea. So listen to what happened. This is a sad, sad story of COVID-19. 
When COVID-19 first hit in the spring of 2020, the floral industry was hit hard. Flower farms destroyed hundreds of tons of flowers. Some flower farms laid off workers. Others closed down altogether. In December 2020, so this is nine months after the pandemic really kind of hit the U.S. hard, the U.S. floral industry was at 5.6 million Americans. Who knew the flower industry employed 5.6 million American workers? That was its lowest level in seven years, down 247,000 jobs. Now, when you lose 247,000 jobs, you plant fewer flowers because flowers are your money. Flowers are your cash flow. So you plant fewer flowers. You have times four times demand now for flowers, but half the stock, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Demand started to pick up again. Some flower farms had trouble finding workers. Sounds like a sad story. Commercial farms don't have enough workers to bundle flowers and load them into trucks for storage and coolers. The harvested flowers were left to die in the heat. <clears throat> so they're, this year they're looking for more flowers. You know, sadly enough, where they're looking? Um, a visa program with Mexico. I know you're saying, I, I just thought we didn't have that kind of relationship with Mexico where we have a, you can come work in the United States harvesting flowers, but don't come illegally. We have a visa program that you can work through. <clears throat> Trust me, I teach myself something new every day on this show. The weather's been terrible across the United States, horrible growing conditions. There's big stories of forests just dying on the East Coast, in large part due to hurricanes dumping ocean water on land. I know you're saying, is that a story? Uh-huh. Weather's been terrible. Colder nights, heavier annual rainfalls in parts of South America have impacted the health of plants. And I know you're saying, well, uh, good thing I don't buy flowers. Do you buy coffee? California, which is responsible for three quarters of all U.S. cut flowers, is dealing with historic droughts, unpredictable rain patterns, where in San Diego there was a rain delay for baseball this weekend, and I'm like, we could use that, that rain in San Francisco, because San Diego is going to be asking for it from us anyway in a couple of weeks. You've had wildfires across California that coming up to sometimes the border of flower farms. The flower farms are working in massive amounts of smoke. California cuts three quarters of all flowers sold in the United States. Talking about you needing us. You people on the East Coast, you couldn't have weddings without the Californians. You people. That's what I'm going to start referring to them as. So who knew that there was going to be a flower shortage all because of the pandemic? And farms having problems with weather and labor costs and labor. Just getting labor there. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, all social media at Rob Black Show. Let's take a look at the markets, shall we? Interesting. NASDAQ's down 1%, meaning the, <clears throat> the mega cap stocks are struggling. Mega cap being Microsoft and Apple, Facebook. 
The Dow's up 215, which is the opposite direction, meaning there's some buying on the recent market dips, but not in the big tech cap name. Russell 2000 is doing okay, up eight tenths of a percent. So there's some good wealth on Wall Street today. There's not in the big tech names. Okay. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black. I love Warren Buffett. He's a buffet of information, teaching us about wealth. I was in an outdoor restaurant this weekend on a beach. Small one-day getaway. Waiter asked me, uh, he asked me for a tip or something like that. It was very strange. Or maybe asked what I do for a living. I said, I guess I give financial tips for a living. I work with EP Wealth, and I help people with their wealth management and wealth creation. And I said, my tip is pay attention to this guy, Warren Buffett. He gives good advice, and if you have a 401k ever offered to you, try to max it out as much as you can, and that could mean 15% of your paycheck. And he said, that's it? And I said, yeah, let's keep it at that. Um, I've got, I've saved enough money to retire on by the age of 50. I don't have to work till the day I die. Right now, if I want to go to the beach every day for breakfast, I could in any country in the world. I may not have a lot of money left when it's all said and done, if I'm new in any country in the world. <clears throat> but relatively speaking, I'm financially secure. And that advice on Warren Buffett and maxing out your 401k is really where I, I start people. Warren Buffett, he dissed on Mona Lisa. Stay with me on this one, because it's going to start making a lot of sense. Why would Warren Buffett diss on Mona Lisa? Isn't she the hot chick? That has that cute little smile. Isn't she the hot chick that Tom Cruise, or Tom Hanks rather, has figured out there's a art history collection in the world that somehow keyed in on her? I know you're saying, I don't think that was the plot of that movie. Just go with me. I didn't really pay attention to that, that whole book series either. France could have made one quadrillion dollars if it invested in buying stocks instead of the Mona Lisa. Listen to that. Warren Buffett disses the Mona Lisa as being a bad financial decision. And you would think to yourself, if I own the Mona Lisa, I'd be rich, filthy rich. But back in 1963, Warren Buffett wrote a letter to his clients. He had an investment firm called Buffett Partnership. The investment fund he ran before he turned his attention to Berkshire Hathaway. He noted that Francis I, the former king of France, probably my least favorite French king, he bought the Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa in 1540 for 4,000 gold crowns. It's equivalent to $20,000 back in 1540. That's a lot of money. But if the monarch had plowed that money into investment, generating a modest after-tax return of 6% a year, which is way less than the stock market's done for the last 100 years. The country's coffers would be overflowing with more than $1 quadrillion. Stay with me. 
So if the former king of France in 1540, instead of paying $20,000 for the Mona Lisa, if he had put that same amount of money in and got a 6% return, which is less than the stock market's average, he'd have one quadrillion, 3,000 times the national debt of France at this point in time. That king of France could have changed France's future, financially speaking, and give them a chance to create the next Intel or Microsoft or Cisco systems, the next Facebook, the next Google. But he didn't have the foresight. His $20,000 in 1540 turned into $100 million in 1963 when the Mona Lisa was insured at that value. Now, if you go from 1963 to today, you would say that's, holy mackerel, that's almost $900 million in today's buying power. Buffett quipped in his letter, I hope this will end all discussion in our household about any purchase of paintings qualifying as an investment. Sounds like he might have been dissing on his wife of, she wants, oh, Warren, I want to own a fine piece of art, a Jackson Pollock. I can do the same exact comparison with real estate and make people who's like, real estate's the best investment ever. I can make you look stupid if you compare to stocks. When you start factoring how much you have to pay on electricity and property taxes, when you start factoring in mortgage costs, interest rates, the stock market's the best place in the world to invest. It's better than the freaking fragging Mona Lisa. Investing in art or investing is the art. That's the question, right? To be or not to be. Something wicked this way comes. Investing is the art of laying out cash now to get a whole lot more cash later. Valuing business is an art, in my opinion. And investing is an art. Waiter asked me a stupid question this weekend. Give me a financial tip. I'm like, listen to Warren Buffett and uh, start your 401k sooner than later. Just that can create wealth. Buffett's compared building a business to crafting a painting. Would you be happy to have cash when you retire? Or would you be happy to have a painting when you retire? Now, I'm not going to answer all questions. I know that because we're all very different in how we're composed. And I will say that fine art could add to your investments. But I think Warren Buffett proved beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind that over the long term, the stock market's the right place to be. Over the bond market, over the fine art market, over the cryptocurrency market, I think so. Time time was going to have to tell that tale. I can't do it for it. But... France would have made one quadrillion dollars. That's serious clam. Not a hundred million dollars, which is what they made, or a billion. One quadrillion. Are you going to invest in the stock market? Elsewhere in the news, Google is fighting a $5.1 billion antitrust fine. Yeah. This was a record billion dollar fine, 5.1 billion of them, in fact. The executive branch of the European Union fined Google 4.3 billion euro, i.e., 5.1 billion dollars, in 2018 for allegedly breaching antitrust laws related to its operating system. 
shares in Google are higher today on the news that there's going to be an appeal to reverse the fine and the more dangerously penalty associated with it, changing how Android business operates in the first place. Google contracts that require contracts require very stiff terms on what Android devices have to pre-install Google Search and Google Chrome if they wish to license the Google Play Store, which is seen as the must-have app. So Google's also always being investigated for how they have obstruction, modified versions of the Android mobile operating system. Google prevents device manufacturers from licensing its proprietary apps. If they try to get off that Android fork, This 2021 was a year, I feel the tide has turned a bit, that there's more government regulations and scrutiny coming of the big tech companies. And when I started the show this morning, I said every part of the market seems to be working except for big tech. It's worthy of note. One area of the market that's working really well that's got me a little concerned is oil. We talk about a higher 10-year treasure. We talk about the tapering of the Fed, buying debt. Headwinds are coming. If they're not here already, we know they're coming because we're talking about them. Something wicked this way comes. It's monster in the story, and it's a monster in this case. Oil now has a forecast of $90 a barrel on it over at Goldman Sachs. Hurricane Ida should proved to be the most bullish hurricane in U.S. history for oil. Global oil demand is back to converging to pre-COVID levels, led by mobility in Asia and China. Delta COVID impact starting to fade. United States opened up flights to Europe. There's a global gas shortage going on now with the hurricane season. Oil at $90 would be a headwind, not a positive. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. It's the Rob Black and Your Money Podcast. You can catch Rob Black every weekday morning on AM 1220 KDOW from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Listen online at KDOW.biz. The pandemic has been an interesting time for plant-based proteins, You might remember in 2019, pre-pandemic, we were talking about things like Beyond Meats, hamburgers, and the cost, $9.99 a pound at the grocery store versus $6.99 for real meat. And you could probably say, well, they're not different products. One's made out of meat and one's made out of plants, and I agree. I picked up a couple pounds of the meatless hamburger and made uh, Italian red sauce with it. And couldn't tell a difference. So, passed that test. Hamburger, not quite for me. Um, Just, there's, I don't know. It's getting there, for sure. But I'm pretty sure most meat connoisseurs could tell the difference. Beyond Meat's launching its meatless chicken tenders in grocery stores next month. And when I think of chicken tenders, I think of breaded and fried or breaded and baked. And I tend not to think of, like, wow, that's the best piece of chicken I've ever eaten. So I'm really open-minded to 
plant-based breaded tenders. Um, most Americans eat tenders, chicken tenders with like barbecue sauce or some sort of soy sauce or some sort of ketchup sauce. So to me, it's just kind of like glorified cardboard with some sort of sugary based sauce, right? Beyond Meat's going to start selling its meat-free chicken tenders in select grocery stores. That's big. Chicken alternatives have been rolled out across Canada and the United States in July. Grocery store sales account for three-quarters of Beyond's U.S. revenue. And during the pandemic, we were less likely to go to the grocery stores here having other people shop, and we were just getting a lot of the basics. Panda Express used its Beyond Meats Chicken in their meat-free orange chicken in select markets. The tenders were the first Beyond Chicken substitute available across the United States in more than two years after the company discontinued its original frozen strips to focus on the Beyond Burger. So are you ready for plant-based red meat, plant-based white meat? You're the consumer. Grocery store sales accounted for roughly three-quarters of Beyond sales uh, and revenue. So they have to have the restaurant side, but they also need to have the non-perishable grocery side. So it's important for a company like Beyond Meat to acknowledge stores like Walmart and Giant Foods, ShopRite's, Harris Teeters, and more and more retailers need to be added to that list. Some of the products I can think of just off the top of, top of my head that I've seen more and more and more of on menus are meatless sausage patties. I was in a beach environment this weekend that had meatless choices that were pretty obvious beyond meat and impossible burgers. You've seen beef crumbles, meatballs, sausage patties, making more and more inroads. That's a nice story. When you see that the stock has fallen about 9% this year, creating maybe a little bit of a buying opportunity. I like buying opportunities as an investment theme. It's important to understand our cult- culture, and people love shopping, and people love cooking. And they go hand-in-hand hand together with the future of Beyond Meat. Will they win and succeed and or not? Pfizer CEO says normal life will return within a year. He adds that we may need annual COVID shots. And he added that as I'm making billions and billions of dollars, I have a computer installed in your body now that I can turn on at any point in time, and you will agree with me. Oh, actually, he didn't say that part. <clears throat> what do you? How do you feel about an annual vaccine booster shot? I'm actually okay with it. I'm a flu shot guy. Roll them into the same shot. I'm cool. But his prediction as CEO of Pfizer on when we return to normal life is keeping with that of Moderna's CEO, who said essentially the same thing about a year. In order to make that happen, annual coronavirus vaccine shots will be needed. The most likely scenario is the virus is spread all over the world and we'll continue to see new variants that are coming out. Also, we will have vaccines that will last at least a year, and I think the most likely scenario is an annual vaccination. But we don't really know. We need to wait and see the data. Oh, how do we feel about that? 
the life sciences sector has basically intellectual property on a pandemic that they can make a pretty coin off of boosters each and every year. I look at what's happened in Alaska. Alaska is in a massive state of emergency with COVID at this point in time. And we need to do one of two things. <laughs> Tell the news they're not allowed to talk about it. Tell hospitals you got to double in size or annual vaccination seems to be the lesser of three evils in that scenario. But it does it does really start to bring up the question of are we going to get past this thing and who's going to make the money for how long? We don't like price gouging, but we also don't like intellectual property being at the center of a claim for companies that can make billions and billions of dollars due to an infectious disease. A lot going on today, is there not? I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money inside and more. Apple TV gave us some insight over the weekend. But let's talk markets first and foremost, shall we? I would say today is a mixed market that has some winners and losers for sure. The Dow Jones Industrial Average winning as we search for some value stocks like financials, but we also reward some fundamental stocks like oil. We punish big tech companies that have great fundamentals, but have also had great three-year runs already. The Dow Jones Industrial Average higher today. As bond yields are rising, oil prices are climbing their highest level in three years. Oil's at $78 a barrel. That's getting a bit pricey. I live in California, La La Land. I regularly see gas at $4 to $5 a gallon. Some people in the Midwest who are listening to the podcast are going, what? We have high taxes. But the truth being, when I see oil at $78 a barrel, I'm like, oh, gas is about to get more pricey. It has real momentum behind it. There's real fundamentals as governments are starting to work through inventory issues. There's just not enough oil on the markets. Investors are hoping that Congress can pass a reconciliation bill and a debt ceiling agreement soon. Ten-year Treasury hits 1.51% before backing down to 1.48% this morning. China is telling their country to conserve electricity, so semiconductors are being forced to shut down this week, semiconductor manufacturers. That can't be a good thing. Morgan Stanley is cutting Amazon's price target from 4300 to 4100 That's not the point of that story. The point of that story is Morgan Stanley says higher labor costs are weighing on profits. Wedding planners are saying that weddings are booming. Love is in the air. And there's a shortage of flowers out of it. That's very interesting to me. They've never seen demand like this. Most of the weddings last year got rescheduled for this year. So there's a 20% jump in weddings. Who knew that COVID-19 would hit the flower industry, the floral industry? There's a scene in Beverly Hills Cop 2 where Eddie Murphy is trying to sneak into someone's office. And he does it by being a, a flower delivery person. And the secretary's on to him, and she's giving him some flack. And he goes, Florida delivers my life. 
Who knew the floral industry was going to get hit hard with COVID? Some of the things that have come out of this are just historically epic. California is responsible for three quarters of the U.S. cut flower sales in the United States. Facebook's put a big old pause on Instagram for kids. Instagram for kids is meant for kids 10 to 12 years old. And they're pausing the project. Instagram's going to focus on teen safety and parental supervision features. And they don't do a very good job of that. So the Wall Street Journal came out with a scathing report last week on Instagram app and how it's harmful to teenagers, with many teenage girls being the most notably harmed with suicidal thoughts based on body shaming issues. Here's the kicker on this one. Kids are already online. So thinking that the government's going to step in and tell Facebook what they can and can't do, it's it's a lovely idea. It doesn't solve the problem. I personally am doing the best I can as a parent to parent. And I expect our government to do the best they can as a government to govern. But I know that I have to do the parenting too. So that's out there for you today. A lot going on, is there not? Apple TV, which I started this segment on, has spent billions of dollars into the streaming market, but so far, it doesn't have much of an audience. Even though they've got the big guns, Jennifer Aniston and her hair, Oprah Winfrey and her microphone, Steven Spielberg and his director's chair, Jason Momoa and his muscles. But in the two years since the launch of Apple TV... They've rolled out big-budget productions, brimming with showbiz royalty, and they don't have a lot to show for it. They've got some pretty good shows, The Morning Show with Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. They've got M. Night Shyamalan and Lam Ding Dong and his creepy servant, which is really a quite interesting spooky show. Anything that has mannequins that move creeps me out. Anything that has Americans playing... English soccer coaches also creeps me out. So I don't really like Ted Lasso soccer comedy. Not for me. But Apple revealed over the weekend that they've got 20 million subscribers or less in the United States and Canada. How do we know this? Because they had to work with the unions to get actors and actresses and people on set who do lighting and costume design. And they've taken below market pay because they've got less than 20 million streamers. Netflix has got 209 million subscribers. Disney Plus, which launched the same month as Apple Plus, has 116 million subscribers. See, the iPhone peddler known as Apple has blown $6 billion in launching its service, it appears. Now, Apple made 2.21.7 billion in profit on $84 billion in revenue in its third quarter. So they've put in a good first hand, but they're going to have to raise their efforts. And that probably means buying a studio so they can get things like James Bond. But get this, Netflix is also losing stream. Glacier, glacier-like numbers. Netflix shares have grown 9.6%. The S&P 500 is 19% this year. Seinfeld was a big cost of business for Netflix. They paid over $500 million for the rights. 
Seinfeld's going to join the roster on Netflix coming up this week, October 1st. I don't know. A show about nothing has made a lot of money for Jerry Seinfeld. Peloton bike loans are getting bundled up and sold to Wall Street. We remember the mortgage crisis with Michael Burry of The Big Short, where mortgages got bundled and sold off to Wall Street. And that became a problem when people stopped paying their mortgages in a downturn in real estate. San Francisco-based firm has packaged and sold hundreds of millions of dollars of debt securities backed by Peloton consumer loans. In 2007, they brought a Wall Street restructuring-fueled housing crisis by restructuring and packaging loans. Will the Peloton bring a downfall on Wall Street? Probably not as big as the effect of mortgages, but it is interesting to see that their debt's being sold. It's interesting to me, at least, right? You can find me online at, at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. It's the Rob Black and Your Money Podcast. You can catch... It's cleaning up some loose ends this morning. Over the weekend, we learned that a former Apple engineer said the iPhone button act button that asks apps not to track you is a bit of a dud, saying that as he worked at Apple with the iPhone, apps are still collecting user data, even if they're not asked to. So there's a false sense of privacy. The city of Orlando wants to become the next Silicon Valley. The city wants to shake off its reputation as a tourist and retiree destination to brace its future as a tech, defense, and finance hub. Good luck with that, seeing that you got Disney World right there. An early Pinterest employee has sued the company over her role building the $35 billion site. Christine Martinez suing, saying that she helped create the platform but never got paid. Um, And says that she's basically been erased as a Pinterest creator. Elon Musk and Grimes are over. They're broken up. They're finished. They're finito after three years of dating. Musk and Grimes are semi-separated, he said, but they'll continue to co-parent their son, who's basically got the name X, and then a lot of symbols, making it even tougher to figure out than Prince's name. A new Netflix documentary is going to explore the mysterious death of a crypto millionaire named Gerard Cotton. Disappearance of millions of dollars worth of his Bitcoin funds. The show is going to follow investors turned sleuths looking into theories about his death. Um, crypto is pretty fascinating to people. And it, it does seem like it's going to be part of television-based drama for a while. Bill Gates took a shot at Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk for the obvious. The space? We got problems here on Earth. William Shatner is planning to take a trip up into space on the Blue Origin. Isn't he, like, dead? <laughs> Or is that Nemo or Spock? We're now starting to open up carbon removal plants. You're going to hear more and more about this. Sucks carbon dioxide out of the air. Would help the world become carbon neutral by 2050. But some experts worry the technology is too expensive. But it's basically a vacuum cleaner. I haven't seen much the world can't figure out solutions to, but... This is one that's intriguing, to say the least. Other things that you need to know, this is a big week for Congress. Earnings are on deck for Nine Dragons Paper, Aurora Cannabis, Concentrics Corporation. I I witnessed something fairly humorous this weekend. 
two people talking to me over here in their conversation. And one woman says to another woman, oh, I'm not supposed to say this, but Zoom video is acquiring us. And she goes, you don't work in the securities industry, do you? And I'm like, I do. <laughs> and the company she was talking about, it's already publicly known that they're being acquired and it's being looked in by regulators. So it's interesting that the employee didn't know that she could talk about it because it's actually been publicly disclosed. But she's still under the thoughts of we're not allowed to talk about it. I just find that interesting, the stuff you get over here quickly. Kathy Wood's ARK Investment bought $55 million in Twitter stock after it announced its Bitcoin tipping feature. The bet reinforces that Wood's belief that regulatory issues for digital assets will be manageable. Whereas in China, they said, nope, digital currencies are illegal. Bank America is spotlighting the highest quality small and mid-cap stocks right now. Um... I like companies like Bank of America. They acquired Merrill Lynch. That's really the old school Merrill Lynch that comes out with their best lesser known names list where they would refer to it as quality that you may not know of. Um, taking a look at the names like names like Sonos. You know the speaker. You've heard of the speaker. Um, America's Car Mart is probably a play on used car prices. Bed Bath & Beyond is a play on specialty retail. And the stock has basically just been a big sideways mover. Then you can get into names like Rent-A-Center. We were talking about specialty retail. Um, restoration Hardware is in the business of selling furniture, and there's a massive backlog on furniture due to supply concerns. So people are going to more and more stores saying, can you help me, can you help me, can you help me? I need a couch before Christmas 2022. People are going to everywhere they can find, including places like Restoration Hardware. BJ's Wholesale Club is a poor man's Costco, but they're alive and well in consumer staples we need in good economies and bad economies. So I like lists like this. In large part, it's uh, incredibly help, helpful for me to do the research on names that I should be looking at that I don't always have time to look at. Like, I've never heard of R1RCM. They're a healthcare provider. $6 billion. They're kind of a mid-cap kind of name. Um, I'm interested, to say the least. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. The 40-year-old millennial and the 24-year-old Generation Z are in charge of America right now. The 40-year-old's financial behavior is shaping huge economic markets like housing, while the 24-year-old is setting trends affecting consumer behavior for everyone on future of brands. If Nike falls out of favor with Generation Z, Nike falls out of favor with Wall Street. So it's important to get the vibe on this; these two very important groups on spending and social trends. It's one of the things this show is dedicated to. You can always find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.